Hello, and welcome back to When in Doubt Pixie. I'm Lindsay Jones. I'm Sophie Lee. And this is the final episode of When in Doubt Pixie Season 2. Woo! It's very exciting. We've been looking forward to doing this episode for a long, long time. Uh Uh-huh. But first of all, if you are new here on this show, Sophie and I pose multiple choice, a new multiple choice question every episode, talk through our answer choices, and then give you our verdict at the end. Right. So yes, this episode, what are we going to be, what is the question of this episode, Sophie? It is, drum roll please, who is the best pair of anime brothers? Anime brothers. It's the anime brothers episode. <laughs> Finally. Y'all don't even know. When Sophie and I conceived of this podcast last year right back when this podcast was a glimmer in our eyes right we were brainstorming episodes and i wrote this entire episode Mm -hmm. and sophie kept putting me off right (laughs) it just never seemed to fit because we like to have a good balance of things uh that we cover you know we can't just make a 16 episode season completely about like romance tropes right it'd be too much right So we could just never find a place to fit it in until finally here in the season finale of season two, I was like, Sophie, we have to do this. It's been written for a year. I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) And so here we are finally discussing anime anime boys. Some anime boys. Some anime boys. So Lindsay, what are our answer choices? Our answer choices for this episode are going to be three in number instead of our usual four. Mm Mm-hmm. To give us more time to talk about each answer choice. Because they deserve it. They're good boys. They deserve it. Mostly. Exactly. Well, (laughs) we'll see, won't we? We'll get to that, yeah. (laughs) So our answer choices are A, Hikaru and Kaoru Hitachin from Oran High School Host Club. Mm -hmm. B, Sasuke and Itachi Uchiha from Naruto. Right. And C, Edward and Alphonse Elric from Full Metal Alchemist. Right. So why are we so, talking about brothers? Yeah. Right. Um, you know, you and I have talked a lot about romance mm-hmm. and relationships. Uh, if you guys are interested in that kind of thing, we did talk about millennial YA heroines for our first ever episode. A lot of focus on relationships mm-hmm. and also confession scenes in fiction, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it's something we thought a lot about and something that I think people think a lot about. Right. But I feel like family and familial relations in fiction get a lot less attention. Yeah. And so we want to pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. And then, too, fiction is a great way to really explore themes of, you know, what it means to be masculine or feminine and the idea of toxic masculinity, etc. And so talking about these pairs of brothers Mm -hmm. and what they think about what it means to be brothers more than just siblings etc is also relevant to feminism which is something that we're always interested in talking about yeah so uh we picked the choices that we picked because neither of us has really kept up with anime um so you know this is from early 2000s anime uh deal with it spoilers ahoy but also (laughs) you've had like 20 years to catch up on these animes so yeah also you know if you haven't heard of these or it's been a while we recommend watching slash rewatching. yeah always fun they're pillars of the institution of anime oh absolutely yeah i guess we could have had um in the spirit of reboots we could have had um yuki and aya ima sona soma from fruits basket oh god that would have been appropriately 2000s but instead we're talking about these because they're some of our faves from our 
anime watching heydays. Mm -hmm. So without further ado, shall we get into it? Let's. Okay. Now, usually we do approach these answer choices in chronological order, but we've slightly shifted these things around for our own edification. Again, mm -hmm. you can deal with that. Mm -hmm. So the first answer choice is Hikaru and Kaoru Hitachin from Oren High School Host Club. So this uh, was a, uh, a manga by Bisuko or Bisuko Hattori. Is that, am, I, am I doing that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so the manga was published in 2002. The anime came out in 2006. So, you know, uh, for those of you who are not familiar with the manga uh, or the anime, um, we talked about it in uh, a couple episodes ago about, you know, it's a poor student. She's in a rich high school and she b passes for a boy for reasons. Um, <laughs> and she gets involved with this like coterie of like very rich and handsome young men who like entertain young ladies after school. Yes. Um, and so, uh, Hikaru and Kaoru are two of those rich, handsome young men. They're twins. And, uh, yeah, they get, they, they, they get, they hang out with Haruhi and they, uh, get into all sorts of fun hijinks. They do. Mm -hmm. Everybody, everybody has a lot of hijinks, but Hikaru and Kaoru are fun mm -hmm. because, you know, they're kind of like the Weasley twins of the outfit. Mm -hmm. They're redheaded. They're twins. Right. Um, they they have secret twin speak. And, you know, no one understands them as well as they understand each other. Exactly. But they're far more angsty than Fred and George could ever. Right. So let's get into that. So Hikaru and Kaoru have this tragic backstory that Haruhi unlocks, you know, a little more than halfway through the anime. Mm -hmm. You know how it is. Mm -hmm. Tragic backstory unlocks at level five of friendship. Right. <laughs> so they... Everybody in the host club has this theme of found family, you mm -hmm. know, they have sad backstories and then they make friends in this club and they become a family together. Mm -hmm. So on the twins part, they um, are rich, like everybody else at their school. So, you know, they don't have a lot of running about the park with the peers of their same age. They're very isolated in their family mansion or whatever. Right. Their parents are absent all the time mm -hmm. because they're rich and working mm -hmm. and, um, there's this whole story of this maid who worked in their home, who was the only one who really saw them as kids, you know, and who treated them nicely and could tell them apart. Mm -hmm. That's another piece of angst for them is that they're interchangeable. Right. Um, and as it turns out, she's actually only in the household because she's a thief and um, she's infiltrating it to steal some stuff. She does so. She leaves. So they have this complex about, you know... People only wanted to get close to them to abuse them or to use, use them, them for their money mm -hmm. and not caring about them um, as people, mm -hmm. especially, again, because they're interchangeable, just makes them feel even less worthwhile as individuals. Yeah, they're part of a match set. Yeah, exactly. Poor things. And uh, so, yeah, all they have is each other. They're the only ones who understand themselves, mm -hmm. etc. Uh, my note here says they run on bitterness and incestuous innuendo. Which is correct. So, yeah. So that's fun. Yeah. I mean, you know, like a part of the the host club is they all have like their assigned tropes that they mm -hmm. sort of play out. And so like the twins are these, you know, they're like the mildly incestuous twins that you still think are hot. So. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Twincest is a very well-used tag in this fandom. Oh, God. So Haruhi. Enter Haruhi. So by this time, they're in the host club. They've been charmed by the uh, foppish leader. But still, you know, they hold people at a distance. They're mostly in with themselves, but they're not mean. They're not as bitter anymore, per se, but they still like messing with people because they're still salty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so enter Haruhi, and she sees them as individuals, mm -hmm. she respects them, and then we get a very fun arc where one of the twins gets a crush on her and the other one does not, mm -hmm. you know, and they're different. Yeah. 
And that's something that they really have to contend with. Yeah. What did you What did you think about the... So it was the Kuruizawa arc where this kind of comes into play in the anime mm-hmm. that Hikaru has a crush on Haruhi and he's very jealous of this childhood friend with the watermelons right. that she has. Right. <laughs> and they want to go on this date, uh-huh. et cetera, et cetera. Um, what did you think about not only, you know, Hikaru's behavior, but like Kaoru's behavior around this? I think it's, I mean, like on a base level, on like a level as just a pure enjoyer of the anime, then I was like, okay, that's kind of cute. You know, he's got a little crush and he's a little jealous. But at the same time, you know, I'm just like that kind of behavior in the context of anime and media in general. You're just like, oh, here we go again. (laughs) You know, (laughs) of course. Yeah. Another jealous boy. Yeah. Another jealous boy. And it's just like another jealous boy with repressed feelings and he can't like actually vocalize how he feels you know, mm-hmm. and like sometimes it's used as a sort of a way to get him to realize how he feels. But even then, I'm just like, there's other ways for you to realize it. Come on, be more emotionally <laughs> intelligent than that. Yeah. Well, well, that's actually kind of what I love about it. Mm-hmm. Again, since they have this whole angsty backstory mm-hmm. of like being seen as interchangeable, they often prank people by mm-hmm. switching places. Right. Um, that's one of the first things that kind of heralds something deeper happening with Haruhi because she sees through their deceptions. Uh-huh. Um, so what's fun, I think, is that Hikaru is very much making a total ass of himself, <laughs> being jealous and trying to control her behavior. And uh-huh. it's not like I like you or anything, uh-huh. you know, the whole suite of dumb anime boy tropes. Right. And then the entire time, like, Kaoru is like... <laughs> following along on this date like oh my god what an idiot he's being <laughs> like how do has the emotional intelligence so it it's fun to see mm-hmm. you know see the the personalities they have because it's very much a front right? right the the sexy incestuous uh mischievous twins right who are just the same person twice mm-hmm. is kind of the front and so with this arc you know is really inviting the viewers in to see you know, like he could do a mess right <laughs> He's very, like, aggressive, confrontational, but not so emotionally intelligent, and Kaoru is the more calm, level-headed one. Right. And I I wonder how much of that, you know, before that point, they had allowed themselves to lean on their respective strengths as opposed to having to present a united front. Right. Yeah, that's always interesting to see. Um, I mean, I feel like with any brothers, but especially with twins, then a lot of times you do have that kind of uh, the arc where, like... The audience, a lot of the time, um, especially if it's anime, especially if you, you know, it's animated characters or it's Asian people, because, you know, everybody knows that all Asian people look alike. (laughs) 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 But so, you know, I feel like a lot of times with twins, then, you know, it is really hard or or like the audience can have trouble telling them apart, especially if the twins act like a match set and they're identical. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, it. I'm the, the the example that comes to mind is Harry Potter again with mm-hmm. Fred and George, where it's just like, I mean, Harry seems to be able to tell them apart, but I'm just like, because they're words on a page, I'm just like, I don't know what what they are, like how different they are. And it wasn't until right. it wasn't until Deathly Hallows when like they one of them oh, got no. an ear lopped off, and then I was like, oh, now I can tell you apart. <laughs> Because, Terrible. Well, because it's like, you know, because because one of them is kind of a more fiery and, 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 and talkative one. And then you start noticing and then you reread and you're like, oh, yeah, Fred does a lot of the talking. George just kind of goes on with what he does. So mm-hmm. kind of there with Kaoru and Hikaru, where one of them has to develop a sort of a distinguishing characteristic, right? Yeah. For the yeah. audience, a lot of times for the audience to sort of really pick pick up on who they are as people, like separate from each other. 
Um, yes. And um, it's also a great way to sort of ingratiate a character with the audience and with the twins, like you said, is if the character is somehow able to tell them apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because then you're like, wow, she's so emotionally intelligent. Yeah. But then I wonder, too, I mean, that's something I really like about the way that their relationship was handled, mm -hmm. is you could definitely read it like, okay, they were different the whole time, but it was really subtle, and then I had to wait for something big to happen, right? which is very much how I learned to tell them apart as well. Mm -hmm. Well, besides the voice actors, of course. Right. Um, but the other thing that I think works so well is that to an extent in the early parts of the show and manga, you're not supposed to be able to tell them apart because they're acting similar. Right. Yeah. It's not only that, you know, it's subtle. And then, you know, as we get to know them better, we can reread and see it with the wisdom of the past or whatever. Right. It's very much like they too are opening up to other people mm -hmm. as they settle into the found family dynamics of the host club. Right. And, you know, the stability that Haruhi brings into that. Right. <laughs> Which I love. You know what? I love a found family that includes blood family. Right. Yes. Because it's these two different familial dynamics, mm -hmm. you know, that come from really different places. And so seeing the way that they balance, I think, is really great. Right. Right. Exactly. It's like catnip for me as well. I'm just <laughs> like, oh, found family. I'm weak. And then it's like, oh, some of them are related. Like, actually, it's like, oh. But like, that's the other thing that I love about found family is that like, it takes kind of familiar familial dynamics and mm -hmm. kind of turns it on its head you know it it forces it forces sort of the familial unit to sort of reconfigure a lot of times because found family everything is you know nothing is traditional none of the roles right. are traditional so you're like you're like oh i don't have to be in this particular role that i was originally assigned you know in my birth family like i can be something else and so kind of which is exactly what happens in this uh story which is great yeah, it's because lovely. in their birth family, Hikaru and Kaoru had to be the same person. Mm -hmm. And now in their found family, they have the space and the support to be comfortable expressing their individuality. Yeah, they don't have to be like a protected unit and show that united front, which is like, yeah. you know, it's, it's so heartwarming and I love it and it's wonderful. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, we love that for them. Yep. What I The other thing I love about a blood-related people coming into the same found family is very much like... The shared trauma uh -huh. sounds so cruel. Found family, you know, it thrives on angst. Yeah. And so it's nice to see, or I think it's interesting to see people who have the same angsty backstory because then they can express it in different ways. Right. You know, and I think it's a very good way to explore the different effects that trauma or isolation or whatever your backstory is can have. Right, exactly. You know, it's a it's a good way to really hit home like again, people are individuals. No one's there's no one way to react mm -hmm. to a, a sad childhood of isolation. Yeah. For example. Yeah. And we love diversity in how people deal with things. Yeah. yeah like, exactly. It takes all sorts to make a world. <laughs> it takes all sorts to make a world. So speaking of all sorts, who mm -hmm. all sorts that brings us to our our next um, set of anime brothers and possibly the most all sortsy or out of sorts. <laughs> that one is up for debate, but you know they're very out of sorts as it they're were. Very out of sorts. So uh, I'm talking, of course, about um, Sasuke and Itachi Uchiha from Naruto. So this mm -hmm. one is by Masashi Kishimoto, and the manga was published in 1999. The anime started coming out in 2002. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically, you know, like, if you somehow have managed to go through your entire life without knowing about Naruto, 
Um, oh my! It's it's basically it's magic ninjas, yep. uh, but like a little bit more intense than that. You know, it, it's 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 theoretically is about you know Naruto, who's like this this kid ninja in training, and all of the hijinks that he and his friends got up to. But like then it gets like real dark real fast. Um, I I feel like you know I feel like the problem is that Kishimoto he started with one thing, which was the hijinks of a kid named Naruto, and then he just had to keep topping himself with the terrible things that happened. Yeah, so by the time that you're, you know, kind of neck deep in the anime, then it's like politics, child soldiers, trauma, like a lot of like a lot of trauma. Like they're they're hitting you with a lot of this. Yeah. <laughs> three punch. So so speaking of politics, child soldiers and trauma, right? Let's talk about the Uchiha brothers. Oh god. Yeah. So here's the sitch. Right. Impossible. Right. So the Uchihas are this kind of essentially noble clan in uh, the village where Naruto takes place. Mm -hmm. They helped found it in the past. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're very well respected. They run the the, um, police force inside the village. They're rich, you know, they're respectable, etc. So Itachi is the firstborn and Sasuke is his younger brother by five years of the clan head of the Uchiha clan. Mm Mm-hmm. And Itachi's good at everything. He's firstborn. He's a very talented ninja. He's a very smart person. He's got self-control, etc. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas Sasuke's good, but he's not a prodigy. You mm-hmm. know, he's smart, but he's hot-headed, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's just not as good as his brother in any conceivable way. Nope. <laughs> Which is a great dynamic, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, both for the, the Itachis of the world and also the Sasuke's of the world. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, when we first learn about this relationship, what we learn, we meet Sasuke first. He's an orphan. His whole clan is dead and he's angsty and swears vengeance on that man. Right. We come to find out what had happened was that Itachi murdered everybody else in the entire Uchiha clan, man, woman, child, Uh except Sasuke. Right. Who he tortured for three days. And said, get stronger so we can fight. And then he fled the village. Right. So So that's great. Yeah. (laughs) So that's very cool. Right. But, and spoilers, but again, you know, what are you doing? Naruto has been out for a long time. Right. So as it turns out, Itachi is acting under orders from this kind of shadow government within the village. Because the shadow government is afraid the Uchiha clan is going to perform a coup. Mm -hmm. And in return for sparing his kid brother, he kills everybody else in the clan and flees. Right. Because as we come to learn, Itachi really, really, really loves Sasuke. Yeah. Really. Yeah. (laughs) So that's cute. Right. He loves him so much that he'll torture him and traumatize him so that Sasuke will kill Itachi and achieve a special super secret ninja power, which will give him the strength to survive, question mark? <laughs> survive something? Yeah, so, you know. So here's the sitch. Yeah. I love these boys, and they're both disasters. <laughs> Correct. I cannot. They're, 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 yeah, they're, they're such a mess. They're, they're multiple. A mess. They're multiple messes, like more than two, more than the sum of their parts. Fully. Like, they're at least ten messes. <laughs> at least. At least. You know? Yes. Each. And I... Yeah, each, each. These two, what I think is interesting about their relationship is that, again, it is, it's based on a very intense familial love. Uh, There's a lot of Uchiha incest, by the way. Yeah. I feel like you can tell how intense the love is based on the fandom reaction. Yeah. There's definitely something interesting to say about 
an older brother who loves his younger brother so much that he murders his entire family right to so, protect him yeah it's uh you know one kind of passion can lead to another kind of passion so according to ao3 so yeah of course of course <laughs> so yeah these but the other thing i think is tragic about these two mm -hmm. is that they're very much like i don't know i i, I can they're so related to like the idea of cycles of abuse mm -hmm. and cycles of trauma right yeah like I mean, they don't go into it so much in canon, but it's a really common, like, fanon idea. Uh-huh. That, like, people weren't exactly surprised when Itachi did this in the village because he became a child soldier at, like, five. Mm -hmm. And he became an elite soldier mm -hmm. at 11. Right. And he became a black ops elite soldier at 12. And he became a captain of an elite black ops soldier unit at 13. Right. So which is also the age he murdered his entire clan. Right. It's that whole thing with, uh, I mean, with any kind of child soldier narrative, right? Is is you're just yeah. like, well, because like, when you're a kid, then it's like, oh, you know, look at these kids, they get to do cool stuff, and they have cool powers. And then you grow up and you're like, what were the adults doing? Like, why were exactly. they put? Into, why were they put into this situation? Like, that is way beyond you know. And the only one that I've seen it like the only place I've seen it addressed is like Steven Universe, where they're like, yeah, yeah you were a yeah. child soldier and you have trauma now. Congrats but, on your trauma. Yeah. So so yeah. I mean, I think it's very interesting to explore that sort of cycles of abuse thing. Um, not that it never gets explored within a family unit, but like mm -hmm. the way that it's explored, especially between brothers, um, I think is interesting, um, mm -hmm. and is a little bit less often seen in media. I feel like. Yeah. I could be wrong. I think so. Yeah. And I feel like it's more common if you're going to see, mm -hmm. you know, two, two brothers who aren't twins, right? So they've got the age difference. Mm-hmm. And one is favored and one isn't. It's I think it's much more common maybe for like the favored brother to play into the bullying and then maybe they can have a redemption when they're older and they grow together, right? That kind of thing. Right. It's either but that think, or it's like they're mm -hmm. inseparable and like they're close and like there's no jealousy. It's one it's one or the other. You know, it's it, like Yeah. It, and I feel like, you know, this is an interesting relationship. What we see in flashback is that so Itachi is the favored brother mm -hmm. and um you know, his father puts a lot of pressure on him, but the whole clan is very proud of him. Mm -hmm. But all he has eyes for is like, how you doing, little brother? Let me get you your favorite food. Let me train with you. Mm -hmm. But he's so busy that, you know, he doesn't have a lot of time for him. And also, he wants to protect Sasuke from this world of child soldiers. Mm -hmm. And so he does kind of distance himself a little bit. Nice going, Itachi. Good job. Yeah. Well, he tries. <laughs> of course, Sasuke idolizes his brother mm -hmm. and wants to be just like him. Mm -hmm. And, uh... So that's not the best. No. No. As far as trying to save your brother from childhood soldierdom. Like, exactly. Good job, Itachi. Nice job. Yeah. You totally accomplished what you set out to do. Uh, by which I mean you didn't. <laughs> good. Yeah, good going, bud. Yeah, it's, 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 again, it's an interesting way of um, kind of doing the sort of trial by fire, uh, which, again, is a really, really common trope with um, siblings, Right. Is mm -hmm. you're just like, mm -hmm. you know, all of your interpersonal drama, then you're like, OK, if you want to if you want to make it if you want to spice it up a little bit, then add like a lot of angst and add like, oh, they go through a trauma together. And now let's explore, you know, how they deal with it. And um, in this case, it's interesting because the trauma was carried out by one brother who <laughs> upon the other brother. Um, yeah. Which is, again, it's a weird like Itachi's playing such a long game, you know, yeah. 
I'm going to torture you so that you grow up and be strong and like, you know, you unlock your sharing gun and like you, you, uh, you come and you kill me and everything like that. Like what, like, well, and that's weird. Cause I mean, he needs Sasuke to kill him because then Sasuke will achieve final shouting gun. Right. But also Itachi has a terminal illness. Uh huh. And so there's this whole, he has this whole secondary like ticking clock of Sasuke needs to be mad enough to kill me before I die of my terminal lung disease. Right. So that's weird. Yeah, it's like, it's like, is this, you know, if when you kind of step back... Is this like, the best way? Exactly. It's like, is this the best use of your time? Like, if you love your brother so much, why not spend quality time with him as opposed to, like, making Literally. him hate you and hate your memory? Like, come on. Or if you're, if you're terrified of him not being safe, you know, why not stay with him and guard him because you're a super elite ninja? Or why not take him with you when you abandon the village and go live your life as a, like, civilian, you know, hidden someplace? Yeah, there's... I think, I think these, not even plot holes, logic holes, the ridiculous choices Itachi makes, Mm -hmm. um, realistically, like, from a doilist analysis, Uh I think it's because, again, Kishimoto (laughs) writes a lot of checks that he doesn't know how to, like, cash. Right. But from a Watsonian analysis, I think it... Again, it, like, has so much to say about, like, the trauma that Itachi has suffered and the pressure that he's under because he's five when Sasuke is born. Right. And by the time he decides to do this, Mm -hmm. he's 13 Mm -hmm. and he's been manipulated by a man in his 60s or 70s who's been working as a master manipulator, kidnapper, human experimenter Mm -hmm. for decades. Right. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's... In story, then you're like, yeah, a thirteen year old would probably figure that that was the best thing. And by the time he figured out that it was a bad plan, it it was too late, you know. Yeah, and not to mention, uh-huh. there's there's a very much emphasized part of this whole debacle, mm-hmm. which is that you know Itachi is like one of the best soldiers they ever had, mm-hmm. and so when they gave him the order, all he did was say, "Well, if I can spare Sasuke, then okay," you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, the reality of living in a mil- military dictatorship, which they do, right, is that, yeah, you know, if you're 13 and you've been raised that this man is your absolute dictator, mm-hmm. then you're going to do what he says. Yeah. Even so. when it's awful and traumatizing. Right. So that's fun. That is fun. So, so <sighs> Lindsay, why do you love these boys so much? I mean, we've talked a little bit about them, but, like, what fuels your love? Aside from the fact that they're messes, which automatically makes them, like, wet puppies. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh-huh. Um, to be clear, I don't I don't love uh Sasuke. I don't love late game Sasuke. <laughs> I, what I love about Naruto is like seasons 1 through 3 of Naruto. Mm-hmm. And then the vibrant fandom. Yes. And so when we look to the beginning and we look at these boys, you know, I love Sasuke because he's a trauma boy. He's the one who's been abused. Right. <laughs> and it it makes sense, right? So mm-hmm. he he lived through all of this at eight. Mm-hmm. He's been living in, as far as I know, he lives in the abandoned clan compound mm-hmm. where everybody was murdered. Right. By himself. Right. Since then, by the time we meet him, he's 12, so it's been four years. Uh-huh. Uh, as far as we know, there is no counseling. Nope. So he's just been kind of going through it. And, mm-hmm. you know, the way he responds to this is to train to be a good ninja and of course to be to be distrustful of relationships with others right again i guess where i'm interested in this is the intersection of how 
blood family impacts Sasuke's found family. Mm-hmm. Because at the beginning of Naruto, he does kind of find a found family in his ninja team, mm-hmm. which is Naruto, Sakura, and then their teacher, Kakashi. Mm-hmm. But he really does have a real and deserved, like, mistrust right. of others. And to an extent also, he thinks of everything very in a utilitarian sense. Like, mm-hmm. if this won't help me kill Itachi, then there's no point. Right. And, um... <sighs> So the trauma, the trauma is what I like, I guess, is the answer here. (laughs) The trauma is what I like. (laughs) Of course. And I like, I like works of fanfic that take the time to explore it and Mm -hmm. unpack it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because to an extent, I don't think Sasuke ever really outgrew his father disregarding all of Sasuke's attempts to please him and be a good son Mm -hmm. because Itachi was better at it. Right. You know, so everything Sasuke does, he does to be the best. Mm-hmm. Not for his own satisfaction, but, you know, if it's not for his father, it's for Itachi. Right. And he still is living up to what Itachi expects of him, even though Itachi, as far as he knows, snapped one day, murdered his whole clan as a flex, and then tortured Sasuke for three days. Yeah, so... And still, and still, Sasuke decides to do exactly what Itachi tells him to try to impress Itachi. Uh-huh. And isn't that sad? Yeah, that's... You would think, it's, if, if you're... Older brother murdered your whole family, tortured you for three days, and then said, okay, get strong, little brother, and then come kill me. I would be like, I'm retiring now. You're yeah. never going to find me again. I'm not doing anything you say. I'm not giving you the satisfaction. Exactly. Yeah. But but um, Sasuke loves his brother, and he cannot resist. Yeah. So that's that's a uh, fuster cluck. Yes. And then, <laughs> you know, similarly, uh-huh. Itachi... I feel for him. The way he's characterized is he's someone who's very repressed and Mm -hmm. respectable and Mm -hmm. Mm self-contained. And the only outward signs of emotion we ever get from him in flashback is when it comes to Sasuke. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so the idea of this 13-year-old knowing that his entire clan is going to be murdered one way or the other, Mm -hmm. and he can do it or someone else can do it and he can get murdered... Uh, but if he does it, he can guarantee the safety of his beloved younger brother, mm-hmm. you know, having to make that kind of awful choice and yeah. try his best to set Sasuke up for safety and success and bungling it in this way. Right. So Doing it in the worst possible way, but he's making the best possible choices he can on a very short time scale with his 13-year-old traumatized child soldier mind. Right. So it's like, it's interesting because, you know, in a way then that's a nice contrast to Oron. Um, even though they're completely different genres, but you know, it's like this is this is what can happen if you if you know if you don't if you never do get that support network and that found family that like really gets you to open up, right? Yeah. So like yeah. so all you have and it is compelling in its own way, but sort of this is sort of the other end of the spectrum where you have this really compelling relationship and and between two brothers, but like all it comes to, all it comes to in the end is this kind of like this story of like it's you know it's lost potential and that is poignant mm-hmm. in its own way where you're like oh this relationship like this is there's it's really compelling like there's like a lot of love here but we, you know we don't all at the end then it's very angsty and it's kind of like the the, the part of the poignancy comes from what might have been. You know, like how right. good could these brothers have been if they had, you know, if they had worked together or if they had, you know, if they had had a support network that could have enabled them to sort of, you know, work out their issues in a healthy way. So, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's another thing that's like, um, I feel like that's another kind of looking at toxic masculinity where a lot of times people do take that route where uh, characters are 
only redeemed through death or they, right. you know, like they don't have as strong of a redemption arc. And, and so, you know, like, like death and kind of the truncation of their, of their character as a whole is the only way for them to get absolution and for them to kind of show the sort of the better sides of themselves, which I think is really right. tragic because, you know, I'm just like, I, I, I like to, and I think we as a fandom and culture have kind of moved towards that where we're like, well, we want more slice of life. We want to, there's so much more interesting storytelling that can be done when characters are kept alive and when they have to work through their trauma and through their redemption and everything like that. So, yeah, I yeah. totally agree. Mm -hmm. And I mean, cause then you look at, you know, what happened with these two. Mm -hmm. So Itachi dies and, you know, allegedly gets his absolution mm -hmm. for everything that he did just by dying. Yeah. Not quite. Like, did he? You know? Yeah, did he? I mean, he comes back to life and then he dies again. I mean, it's Naruto, so yeah. it's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, there's just not a lot of exploration. You know, he's mm -hmm. there's the reveal that he was doing it on orders. But like, you know, it would be the perfect time to interrogate. Like, when is it okay to like disregard orders? And when is it moral in a military hierarchy to go, you know, AWOL even or kill your commander who's telling you to do immoral things? Yeah. And, and also you know, we don't really get that. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, like, how do you atone for doing something that's so horrible? You know, like, are mm -hmm. your motives enough? Um, which, I mean, I'm of the personal opinion that no, but, you know, it, right. it would have been interesting for the show to sort of, and the manga to sort of ask those questions and sort of really get into that. You know, like, how do you, how do you heal from such a thing? If, it, you know, once everything is revealed, then it's like, okay, Sasuke is like, well, my brother loved me all along, but like, you know, you were, you, you were terrible about showing it. So like, how would, how would they have healed from that experience would they have been able to heal and and right. you know they would have like would they have been able to build a, a a better and more nuanced and more interesting relationship out of the ashes of what happened yeah no yeah. kidding so and then of course sasuke in canon mm -hmm. he says well my brother loved me all along so it's fine you know no nuance in that take yeah. regardless of the traumas that itachi he the on snake him. treatment and then he becomes you know a neglectful partner and father if not outright abusive. Yeah. And so the cycle continues, you know? Yeah. Pretty unfortunate. Pretty unfortunate. A tragic end. Right. For to these tragic... two boys. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> I read a great fanfic one shot about uh -huh. knitting. Uh-huh. Itachi lives. He's got, you know, he can't use his ninja powers because he is a criminal. So they're like, you can come back because you did it on orders, but you are not allowed to be magic anymore mm -hmm. uh and uh, he takes up knitting and he teaches sasuke as a nice coping mechanism see and i'm knit. into that i'm yeah, into that it was nice yeah fiber fiber art is calming as hell so mm -hmm. yeah um so so yeah so that's how that's how not to do brotherhood uh, yeah well <laughs> speaking of brotherhood <laughs> full Let metal alchemist yes let's get it oh how dare you <laughs> Let's get a dare final answer choice. Full Metal Alchemist. Right. Full Metal Alchemist. Right. So this was this work is by Hiromu Arakawa, uh, also fondly known as Arakawa-sensei, or the cow with glasses. Um, mm -hmm. That's how she represents herself when she does like the little like omakes at the beginning and end of every comic volume, manga volume. Mm -hmm. um, so this was first published in 2001. Uh, there was an anime made in 2003 that uh, outstripped the manga and then kind of veered off on its own course. Um, still a good anime. And then they remade the anime um, in 2009 and made it completely faithful to the by then completed manga. So mm -hmm. 
um, the Lindsay has seen both animes. I have seen only the 2009 one, which is called Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so the, spoiler alert for how important the themes of brotherhood are to the show, <laughs> right? So uh, it's basically it's this historical sci-fi alternate history setting that's like, what if instead of like science taking off, alchemy had taken off, um, and and um, the brothers in question are Edward and Alphonse Elric, and uh, they they also uh, have an origin story that is rooted in trauma. All the best anime brothers do. Yeah, so Lindsay, why don't you get into that? Okay. Yeah. So here's the sitch. There are these two kids named Ed and Al, one year apart. Mm-hmm. When we meet them, they have a an absent father and a loving mother who, you know, encourages them. They're very smart. You know, they're, they obviously have outstripped their peers. Um, and they're very good at alchemy, which is this kind of magical science. Right. Um, it's magical in that, obviously, it cannot exist in our world. But it is scientific. It follows laws, conservations of mass and energy, etc., Right. So they're very scientifically minded children. Mm-hmm. And uh, one day when they're youths, their mother dies of mm-hmm. anime mom disease. Right. It's, it's never clear. Side ponytail. Yeah, she had a side ponytail, a low <laughs> side pony. What a mistake. Yep. And so these boys say, well, we're pretty good at alchemy. Let's re- do some research based on our absent father's forbidden textbooks. Right. And um, bring her back to life because, you know, it's whatever. A body is made up of chemical elements. That Mm -hmm. is what alchemy messes with. So Mm -hmm. they get everything together. They study. They go and seek out this really cool teacher who teaches them all about alchemy. They become very good. They come back and they bring back their mother and a happily ever after. Just kidding. So anyway, they attempt to bring back their mother. However, this is a forbidden branch of alchemy and for good reason. Because what could equal the price of a human soul? Right. And, um... Because you have to have equivalent exchange in alchemy. Mm -hmm. And so in return for trying to bring someone back from the dead, the forces of alchemy strip Ed's, who is the older brother, Ed's leg completely from him. Mm -hmm. And they steal his his younger brother entirely. He's just gone. Right. So Ed uh, makes another deal, gives up his arm, and manages to get back his brother's soul, which he um, attaches to a suit of armor. Right. Uh, which he essentially possesses. And mm-hmm. then uh, the two of them go about. A complete amputee, bodiless boy, and his older brother, the double amputee. Right. So that's uh, their origin story. Mm-hmm. I mean, it gets worse from there, of course. Yeah. Uh, after, after they recover, Ed gets recruited into the military when he's 12. As a child soldier. Woo! Yeah. Also, Parallels. to be clear, they were like 10 and 9 when mm-hmm. they went through all of this body loss situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, the two of them wander around trying to find a magic rock, which will allegedly allow them to perform these human transmutations, and they will use it to get their bodies back. Right. Well, get their bodies back. That's what they always say, but what they really mean by it is get my brother's body back. Right. Well, that's what Ed means. <laughs> Al would like to have... Al would like to for Ed to... I feel like if you told Al to pick, he would pick getting Ed's stuff back before he got his own back. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's, you know, like, they're 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 selfless toward each other like they're very much like my brother means everything so this is kind of um you know this this is an example of brotherhood where like the Hitachi twins they uh went through something together and then they spend a lot of time together afterwards and so you know so it's all about them kind of recovering from that trauma trying to restore to each other what they've lost Um, yeah you know minus the mom they already tried that yeah, yeah. They they realize that death is too much, but 
body parts are possible, maybe. Yes. So You know what I love about Ed mm-hmm. and Al as compared to, say, the Hitachi twins? Mm-hmm. The twins are, you know, their origin is that they're very similar and people have a difficulty distinguishing them and they have to kind of come into their own right. separate entities. Mm-hmm. But they are obviously very close, bonded by trauma, etc. Mm-hmm. Ed and Al are very close, bonded by trauma, but they are unmistakable for each other. Right. And they almost go the opposite way, which is like... When they meet new people or whatever, mm-hmm. um, people have a hard time believing they're related until they get to know them better. And then they're like, oh, my God, you too. You too. Well, you too are other, chaotic. The other thing that um, is played for laughs a lot is the fact that because Al is in a suit of armor and Ed's military codename is the Full Metal Alchemist. So everybody thinks that Al is the Full Metal Alchemist and that Ed is like his little brother because Ed is also a lot shorter than suit of armor al well suit of armor al is like two meters tall right he's taller than a lot of people right yeah but like ed is and ed is especially short yeah and so it's just it's it's a thing that's played for laugh a lot where they're like oh full metal alchemist obviously refers to the guy who is fully encased in metal um and ed's like no it's me (laughs) and he gets super angry about it and it's super funny um you You think this kid could do anything yeah like they they almost get mistaken for each other um yeah sometimes which is which is really great um because because it is both played for humor but also it can get played for angst in that mm-hmm. you know like there's there's they as brothers and as child prodigies and that you know like they they were before they were bonded by this trauma they were competitive and that still comes out in in a lot of ways you know mm-hmm. they they kind of they they kind of operate in each other's shadow which is a really interesting dynamic because normally it's one directional, you know, like I am a little sibling and I'm operating in, I live in the shadow of my like big, smart, younger brother. Um, Or, Mm -hmm. but yeah, so it's like, in this case, it's kind of interchangeable because, you know, Al, Al feels, Al feels like he's not as talented as Ed or like in the beginning, Ed has a certain skill set that Al doesn't have. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, and then Ed is like, he, you know, he's, he's, he's got all these insecurities about other stuff. So it's, it's really great. It is. I feel yeah. like, you know, this is the focus of the show among, mm-hmm. among other things, but they're the main characters. Mm-hmm. And so they do get a lot of airtime that, you know, to be fair, our other two choices really didn't because they're side, side characters, supporting characters. Mm-hmm. But what I really do like about it is it has kind of um, both of these dynamics, right? Which is like, you you have the banding together of the Hitachi twins, and obviously these brothers are here for each other, 100%. Mm-hmm. Right. But also they're brothers. You know, they spar and they argue and they disagree mm-hmm. on a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. And what I think is actually one of the most interesting parts of brotherhood, the show, not like the concept, mm-hmm. <laughs> is uh, they start the show with this very intense, strong bond because they've gone through this. They've... They've been each other's support. They understand each other. Mm-hmm. They had to survive on an island with nothing but a knife for like a month by themselves mm-hmm. when they were like nine. Right. Et cetera. You know, they're very, they're very close and they understand each other really well. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's this arc that comes up partway through the show and the manga, mm-hmm. which is that Al comes to believe that Ed, because Ed is so talented at alchemy, Mm-hmm. It's possible that Ed has created Al mm-hmm. to be his emotional support suit of armor, but that Al's not a real person. Right. And I think it ties into what you mentioned, which is that Al really does kind of have to grow out of Ed's shadow. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's it's like a very literal interpretation of that where he's like, 
it feels like my whole life is about you and mm-hmm. w- why am I not quite as good at you as anything at mm-hmm. anything I try right you know yeah and um just the unmooring of not having a body obviously doesn't help and I love that they get the screen time to work it out you know they Ed is like Ed is like I'm I'm gonna kick your ass for you know for being such an idiot mm-hmm. and and you know and they like and they spar and you know so like they kind of they're given the well, screen- and also Ed has the room to say to explain right because right yeah Al has been trying to hint at this and mm-hmm. Ed has been avoiding it which makes Al more paranoid but right. as it turns out Ed thinks that Al has finally realized according to Ed that Ed is to blame for the loss of his body mm-hmm. and that he resents him for it mm-hmm and you know, so that the it's it's so realistic in a show that's so fantastical, right? Yeah, you know, the ideas, the trauma that they went through, the blame. You know, mm-hmm. they have the room to <laughs> worry about blame, blame themselves, blame each other. That yeah. I feel like Sasuke and Itachi get in fanfic, but never quite got in canon. Yeah, and then and then they have the room to communicate and to say like, oh, this was what's in my head. Oh, that's what was in your head. You know, mm-hmm. and they get to like they get to spar and they get to work it out in a healthy way. You mm-hmm. know, um, and it's like, whoa, <laughs> like this is <laughs> this is you know. So it's like even though there's a fantastic like a fantastical storyline and like you know they get involved in all of these other things that make them even more traumatized, yeah. but. Because they spend the first, like, the first major arc of the show together, like, um, and, you know, and there we get a really good um, glimpse of, or not a good glimpse, but we get a good look at how they work out their issues and everything like that and how they kind of um, try and keep their kind of their brotherhood as an operational thing, Mm -hmm. which is really great and something that I feel like we don't get to see a lot of the time because it, 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 it manages to work in the, the sort of stuff that normally would be relegated to a sort of slice of life yeah genre but they work it in and so then by the time that they uh later in the show when they do like have to separate you know they do have to split up and they go off and they do their own missions and everything like that um you're still when like you're still just like oh yeah i mean this bond between them is like unshakable and i believe it and it's like it's great Mm -hmm. it's it's so wonderful the other thing i like about their relationship in full metal alchemist Mm mm-hmm is, you know, so they're presented as like Ed is kind of the hothead scientific mm-hmm. genius mm-hmm. and Al is the more considerate person right. smart brother. Right. Which again does tie into his inferiority complex about his own skills mm-hmm. and such. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, you know, a big part of the arc of the show is that they kind of grow towards each other in that right. way. Yeah. Where, I mean, Ed never gets considerate per se but he cares a lot about people and he gets better at letting people in to care about even when caring about people hurts him you know Mm -hmm. he still continues with it right and then of course al you know he gets street smarter and he he gets better at protecting himself and he gets better at alchemy too you know they kind of grow towards each other in that way Mm -hmm. which becomes more assertive and more kind of savvy and stuff like that so it's like Mm -hmm. it's 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 real great one of my favorite al moments that like (laughs) you know, kind of gives, gives a little hint of this is what is in the episode where they meet greed and the guys are like, you know, like, ah, like, like, are you, are you really going to like, are you really going to listen? Like, are you really going to listen to your mom or your teacher? Like when they tell you not to talk to strangers and Al is like, huh, you're right. Let me think about it. And then he wallops the guy in the head and is like, I thought about it and I still want to go with you. (laughs) It's like, I'm just like, you know, Al, you know, Ed, Ed, Ed can, a really shallow characterization of them would be like Ed is again the hot-headed sassy one, and Al is like the sweet brother, you know, like 
and and it's no al has al is also sassy and sassy al is great yes yeah. as i said like when you see them they seem so different and uh the humor you know again the humor with the hitachins is they seem the same and then you get to know them differently and mm-hmm. the humor with the elrace is they seem so different and as you get to know them you're like oh no these boys are both disasters they're both disasters but it's like oh y'all are definitely related you're absolutely now, you haven't, related you haven't seen 2003 but i want to tell you about like how 2003 begins the first uh-huh. characterization we get so the first episode is about this um train hijacking uh-huh it 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 falls to ed and al to try to stop this train hijacking even though they're like 14 and 13 Fif- yeah. no i guess 14 yeah, and 15 14 and 15 yes mm-hmm. and so you know al is no sorry ed is running around he's alchemizing al- alchemizing he's using alchemy on things mm-hmm. he's yelling at people etc um he's crawling along the train roof mm-hmm. al just kind of walks in <laughs> the the terrorists who are hijacking and are like oh it's a guy in a suit of armor and they raise their guns and he's like please don't shoot think about the ricochet and they shoot and then they get taken down by the ricochet and he's like please i tried to warn you why do people <laughs> always forget the ricochet right like, and that's, that's like the first we see of him and i'm like this boy wow yes, yes. i love him and he um, hides cats in his empty armor <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah so kind of fma is like what you can do like it it really kind of goes into the sort of the the i think it it does a lot of exploring of a lot of different aspects of brotherhood Mm -hmm. um and i mean it's really heartwarming that i mean they also have like this kind of massive found family like or more of a support system because everywhere they go you know even though ed is can be a little bit hot-headed and he can blow up at the slightest remark about his height you know people Mm -hmm. are still just like i really hope you get your bodies back and like you guys are like you know, I care about you and, like, Ed, like... like. I mean, again, it's kind of... Al is obviously likable and Ed is stealth-likable because he's a really good person. So, yeah. you know, he's very blunt and, mm-hmm. you know, socially awkward sometimes. Mm-hmm. By the end of whatever adventure they've had, they're like, you're all right, kid. I hope yeah. the best for you. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, like, they have this massive support system and it's just, it's a very, it's a much more, very optimistic take on you know like like the sort of human nature and and you know what you, what you can what you can do and what you can get through you know if you have support if you have support from people and you know you you have communication and 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 healthy ways to vent your anger and frustration and all of that like it's like yeah it's, like the two brothers start mm-hmm. even at the beginning mm-hmm. you know they have friends and family who mm-hmm. love them like who are like they're never who they have is each other but they never only have each other right right and i think i think i think that's a little bit more um it feels more true to life to me even though like that's not always the case for everybody in the world but like it feels more true to life to me in that there would be people who are like why don't you call you never write like i worry about (laughs) you you know like 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 i worry about you i care about you you don't have to do this alone like there's literally a scene where like ed (laughs) one of ed's technically like subordinate officers where she slaps him because she's like adults can be trusted too you know like you can you can trust us like yeah, I know you know, you're a child, so adults you. seem so adults seem inscrutable. But please trust us; we care about you, and we want to help you. We care about you, and in some ways, we're more equipped to deal with things. And like, we can, you know, therapy is a thing. <laughs> like, you can talk to us, and so it's, they it's they just... don't fully do it in the way you would hope. You know, as far as child soldiers, and when you're a kid, you're like, this is cool, and then when you're older, you're like, where are the adults? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a lot, Mister. Like, well, yeah, the the adults did recruit him, but like, oof. 
Yeah. It's appropriately horrifying from the outset. You're just like, oh, yeah, this is this is like the you immediately see the kind of the price that they had to pay for the kind of awesome powers that they have. Yeah. And you can so like you're you're both you're just like, whoa, like this is horrifying. But also, I mean, you can still be like, wow, these powers are really cool. But wow, I would not want to have those powers because the price that they had to pay was so high. So mm-hmm. I think that's really cool in that aspect of like, you know, like we don't get to see that side of it very often especially not at the very beginning of a work which yeah. is really great okay so <laughs> that is ed and al from full metal alchemist it is um, so i think that brings us to our verdict it does yeah so Lindsay, so sophie oh we both did it <laughs> <laughs> so Lindsay, um in your opinion which is the best set of anime brothers i mean so the obvious answer here is ed and al they get mm-hmm. the most screen time and their relationship is like an explicit focus mm-hmm. of the series. Is that what your head is telling you or is that what your heart is telling you? I just feel like I have to give a fair shake to the other two for doing what they do mm-hmm. in the more limited context that they're in. That's mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. So I I love Ed and Al. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is that is my final answer. Okay. <laughs> here's, here's how I decided what my heart is telling me. I was yes. like, if I was going to read... Oh, wait... I don't know, man. Sasuke and Itachi. Because, okay, my metric was, if I was going to read a fanfic about a pair of brothers, which one would I want to read the most? And I do, I love an Ed and Al fic. Mm-hmm. But, but also I love a Sasuke Itachi fic. Yeah. Here, oh, there's just so much, you, there's so much to dig you, in there. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you why I, that's exactly, let me tell you why I don't think that that's a good metric. Is because, you know, fanfic is all about filling in the negative spaces and about exploring stuff that isn't explored in canon, mm-hmm. right? So it's like going off of that, then like there's a lot more to un- explore and unpack with Sasuke and Itachi because yeah. there's so much that's left off of the page or the screen, you know? Mm-hmm. There's all of these hints at like a really deep and compelling relationship, but like what you see on screen is kind of, it's sort of scraping the surface of that. And you're just like, oh, I want to know more about like what was going on inside their heads and all of that. So. Mm-hmm. And that way, I don't think that, you know, like, the, the the quality of fan fiction is a metric that you can use to measure a fandom and how good the canon is because you're like, well, is there stuff to explore or is there not? Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're like me and I'm just like, once I've consumed a piece of media, I'm just like, I'm just hungry for whatever I can get, <laughs> right? But, you know, like, it, it says something about, like, how compelling is the original material, Um and you can measure that by how compelled are people to write more about it and to explore more about it. Um, so in that way, then I would also say that my final answer is Ed and Al, because I'm just like, because in canon, it's like they they're explored really well and like they're characterized really well. And I'm like, I get a lot of what I want from Ed and Al. And like the only kind of fan fiction that I want to read about Ed and Al is them being happy, you know? <laughs> well, you know, I've read a lot of very interesting fanfic about their codependence mm, mm-hmm. and more about Ed's dependence on Al than vice versa. Ooh. Cause again, Al's a little bit more emotionally mm-hmm. mature. Yeah. That's an, that's an angle that I hadn't considered before, but yeah, that's mm-hmm. a good point. It's a tasty, it's a tasty subgenre, but actually I think I am going to settle on Naruto Sasuke. Naruto yeah, there Sasuke. you go. Itachi Sasuke. Yeah. Naruto um, Sasuke is a whole different bucket of worms. It's a diff- Yeah, it's different. <laughs> but Sasuke and Itachi, there's there's just so much you can do, especially, you know, there's a whole there's a whole little subgenre of Naruto fic which is no no Uchiha massacre. Mm-hmm. Like they just stay, Itachi's in the village, it's all fine. Mm-hmm. You know, and that does give a lot of room for a lot of world building. You know, there's right, there's yeah. so many different ways you can take their relationship depending on your genre. 
Yeah. And or there's like so many Sasuke, different ways to handle it. Or like Sasuke and Itachi on the road. Like, I would love to mm-hmm. read fix about that kind oh, yeah. of stuff, you know? One of my favorites mm-hmm. um, is, so it's a Sasuke gender bend. So Sasuke's Itachi's younger sister. Ooh. And there's some slight divergences at the massacre and... Itachi ends up taking Sasuke with him when he goes to join this terrorist organization. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's that's what it's about. And it's very beautiful, poignantly written, you know, mm-hmm. beautiful, um, beautiful language. Right. It, it's really good. I think it's called um, Pinwheels and Paper Cranes, but I'd have to look it up. Yeah, we'll, we'll try and link it. Yeah. If we can find it. But yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love, 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 love Ed and Al, but... Mm-hmm. You know, Sasuke and Itachi are just, like, heightened. Mm-hmm. Not to say that, you know, the trauma of human transmutation and being stuck in the gate <laughs> is not traumatic. But I just feel mm-hmm. like everything about Naruto is so extra, including, it is. including these boys. It is. And there's an appeal to that that yeah. cannot be denied. Can I say, uh-huh. the true sign of the bond between the Elric brothers mm-hmm. is that Ed mysteriously... Is this fan or canon that he kept Al- Al's body alive beyond the gate via sending nutrients somehow, <laughs> and that's why he's short? No, that's canon. Exactly. Is that that's not canon. a perfect brotherly bond? Yeah, that's canon because um, they, yeah, like, I just watched the episode where they're talking about that. So they're like, and Ed is, Ed is like, he's super not happy about it because he's just like, God damn it. <laughs> now I have to drink milk. <laughs> so yeah, so that is our... Uh, well, probably lukewarm take on the anime <laughs> brothers of the of the uh, 2000s decade. Um, mm-hmm. So, if you guys have different ideas, or if you guys have uh, other pairs of anime brothers that you would like for the public to consider, you should definitely hit us up on our Twitter, which is Pick C Podcast. Um, and there we will also have a poll up where you can tell us your favorite anime brothers and why you love them so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, if you want to hear more from us, you can check out our Patreon, which is also Pick C Podcast, mm-hmm. where you can hear our outtakes from this episode and our other episodes. And also right. see ex- or listen to exclusive minisodes that come out every other week. Right. So this episode was written mostly by Lindsay Jones, um, with a couple comments from me, Sophie Lee. <laughs> the audio editing was done by Elisha Bonnet. And the music that you're hearing right now is by David Hillowitz. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye.